I'm going to invite you this morning once again to open up to the passage that Steve read, Matthew chapter 14, and I want to take your eyes just to a couple of verses that I think really are the heart of the passage. I want you to look at verse 15 just for a second. Matthew 14, verse 15, and it says this. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals or bread or food. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. The title of my message this morning is You Give Them Something to Eat. It was back in 2005 when we were in Zambia, and I was teaching Friday nights in our church there a young adult's class. A young adult is basically anyone who is not married, so we had people from 18 all the way up to 60s. After one of these classes, a young man in his early 20s came up to me and he asked if he could talk with me. And he expressed that he believed God was calling him into the ministry. Now, this was a very quiet man, uh, not charismatic in any way. And he came up to me and kind of pulled me aside, not wanting anyone else to see. And he said, Lee, I believe God, or Pastor Lee, I believe God is calling me into the ministry. And then he asked this question. Do you think God could use me? A few years after that, when we were down in South Africa, a husband and a wife that were part of our church, they had gotten saved later in life, and they had desired to minister to their family, uh, to their friends, and they longed to see what God could do with them. And I remember them asking this question once again with their past, do you think God could use someone like us? And I remember when I first got saved when I was 14 and our pastor was teaching us that all of us have been called into ministry. All of us have been called into the ministry or the world that we live in to make disciples, to see people get saved. And I remember that question in my mind that arose God, could you ever use someone like me with my past and my failures and all that I am, all that I bring to the table, Lord, how could you ever use someone like me? And in this passage in Matthew, beautiful passage in which I think Jesus teaches a very powerful truth concerning ministry, and he teaches this to his disciples. And I believe what Jesus is getting at is he's getting back to the very basics of what ministry is. Even like we saw this morning, ministry is not centered around a program. It's not centered around a plan. But ministry ultimately is meeting real people with real needs, with real hurts, with the gospel of Christ. And so Jesus is going to teach them what ministry looks like. And there's really three truths that I see in the passage. And here's the first one. The task of ministry 
never ends. Look at verse 13. It says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place to be alone. Now here's a question. Why did Jesus want to be alone? If you were just to go back through the verses that lead up to this passage, you go back into chapter 13, there you find that Jesus is ministering in his hometown of Nazareth. And what was their response to him? Their response was they did not believe him and they rejected him. Then you start into chapter 14, and the very first verse that you find there is that Herod, this wicked king Herod, has set his gaze upon Jesus, his sights upon him. Then, of course, more relevant as a story unfolds, this wicked king Herod has killed Jesus' friend, John the Baptist. And so Jesus, who lost a real friend, who's hurting, probably with tears in his eyes, desires to go away and spend time alone. Now, when you look at the end of this story, what does he desire to spend time doing? He desires to spend time with the Father in prayer. I think there's beautiful and powerful truths there. In the time of busyness, in the time when, when things just seem chaotic, sometimes the greatest need is to set apart and spend time with the Father. That's what Jesus wanted to do. But look at what happened. Verse 13 again. It says, And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place to part. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. So what happens? Jesus wants to be alone, and the crowds follow him. He doesn't get to be alone. And I think it points out a very powerful, powerful truth. That in this world, there are real hurts with people with real needs, and they're always around us, and it's never, ever ending. I don't know if you're ever like me, or if you ever had this thought in your mind like I have. Sometimes I think to myself, you know, maybe, maybe when things calm down, I can minister a little bit more effectively. I remember thinking that when I was going to college. I was taking full-time classes. I was married. We had two children. I was working two jobs, and I was pastoring a church. I just, I remember thinking, Lord, I can't wait until I'm done with this phase in life because things will get easier. So we graduated from college. I started seminary. We went on deputation to raise support, and it was now five kids. And I remember thinking to myself, Lord, when I get to Zambia, Things will calm down. I can't wait. So we get to Zambia. Five kids. We start a Christian college, a Bible college there. Every week we're training. We're teaching in villages. We're traveling. We're doing week-long evangelistic meetings. 
and then we get sickness, and then finally the Lord's leading us out of South Africa. And I remember that last year when we were transitioning everything over to the nationals, I remember thinking to myself, Lord, when we get to South Africa, things will calm down. We get to South Africa, start church planting, start a Bible institute, start raising pastors up. So now it's like, hey, maybe when I get to Minnesota, Guess what? It doesn't calm down. And the reality of life is we think when things settle or things calm down, we can minister more effectively, but it never calms down. And the idea that ministry happens in a perfect world with plenty of time, with no distractions, with much energy, and with great resources, I hate to tell you, is a myth. It happens when you're tired and exhausted. It happens when your plate is full. It happens when you're under pressures of time. It happens in the storms of life. It happens when the PowerPoint won't work. Ministry takes place in the midst of a chaotic world. And I think this is important because I remember when we were church planting and a ministry opportunity, and I would go up to an individual in our church and I'd say something like this, hey, there's a, there's a ministry opportunity that has just come up, and, and I think you're perfect. I'd like you to consider doing it. And then they would say something like this, you know, Pastor Lee, I am so busy at work right now. A man with my family responsibilities, I'm just not sure I can do it. And I would say, that's great. You're hired. You're qualified. That's Jesus. Good job. Come on in. Of course, now you're not going to come and, you know, you're going to try to ignore me when I ask you to do something. But that was Jesus' ministry. Constantly busy, constantly moving because the needs never end. And yes, he really did need time alone, but I think what he's teaching his disciples is even in the midst of needing this time, there were these needs that continually came. Now, if you were Jesus, what would have been your response during that time? John has just died. I'm being rejected. Herod has set his gaze. There's other times where Jesus just disappears through the cloud or through the crowd and no one knows where he's going. But look at what Jesus does. Verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. That's the pattern. He saw was moved with compassion, and he acted. I think sometimes, especially in Western culture, uh, we get so busy that the reason we don't act is because we are so blind to the hurts and to the needs around us. I remember one time when we were traveling to speak at a church, and we were on one of those horrible toll roads, you know, where they uh, get you about every 10 miles, it seems like, and it's $10, $10. And we were going from Ohio into Pennsylvania. 
We stopped at this toll road, and I already wasn't in a real good mood because I had to fork out more money on this toll road. And when we got to the toll road, this lady was just very rude, taking my money, and she was rude at doing it. And of course, I'm not always sensitive, and I said, I said, ma'am, it sounds to me like you're having a bad day. She got tears in her eyes, and she said, I'm so sorry. I am having a bad day. And then for the next two minutes, she began to tell us what is going on. It was a great opportunity for me to tell my kids, we don't know what's going on in a person's life. We were coming back just this last, I think it was back in 2018 when we came back from, from South Africa, and we were going through passport control. If you've ever gone through passport control, what a blessing that is. All 11 of you, and you're, they're getting your passport, and, you know, and we got a guy, and he took all of our passports, looking at all 11 of us, and he goes, oh, are these your children? I say, yes. And then he stops, and he thinks for a second, he goes, are you missionaries? A lot of children must be a missionary. I said, yes, we are. And he says, that's great. He says, I'm a chaplain here at the, at the prison. I said, man, that's great. I said, how are you doing today? He got real quiet, broke down with tears in his eyes, and said, today has not been a good day. I said, can I pray with you? I think everyone else in the airport was watching us as we all bowed our head with this man and prayed with him. But I think the biggest need that we need is, Lord, give us eyes to see the needs and the hurts around us. Even this week as I was looking at this passage and praying in that statement, he saw, he was moved with compassion, and then he acted. I thought, Lord, give me eyes, move my heart, and give me hands and feet to act. And so Jesus, when you come to verse 13 and 14, you realize that the task of ministry is never-ending, but then it leads to a second truth. And the second truth is this, is that the resources for ministry are never enough. Look at verse 15. And when evening, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into villages and buy themselves food or buy themselves bread. I mean, so here's the circumstances. The disciples come to Jesus and say, listen, here's what's going on. We're in a desert place. It's late at night. There's many people. Now, we find out later that at least 5,000 men were fed. We know there was a little boy there that had some food that gives it. Probably there was women, as the text goes on. There are some commentators that estimate that there could have been up to 25,000 people there. So understand the real concern that the disciples are saying. Jesus, this is a deserted place. The time is really late. There are many people and there is no food. And during that day, the people usually made just enough money to buy enough food for that day. 
Of course, in a time where there's no refrigeration, bread usually did not last. And so this was a real concern that the disciples had. And so their solution to Jesus, and they say it in a, in a command, send them away. And I love what Jesus says. You can just see Jesus turning his gaze on them and says, they don't need to leave. You feed them. Now, can you imagine the setting? Pretend you don't know the story. Close to maybe 25,000 people. It's getting late. No food. You're going to find out in a sec that they have a few fish and a few loaves. And Jesus says, hey, you go and you feed them. And I can imagine what the disciples are doing as they kind of look at each other. Maybe look to Peter, who's kind of the one who's always willing to speak. They're kind of looking at each other and they say, what is he asking us? This is impossible. I mean, how are we going to feed a multitude? We know that one little boy, his dinner was five loaves and two fish. And don't think of a loaf of bread as what you get at Cubs. A loaf of bread was just this little pocket of, of bread, just a little sandwich. Enough to feed the boy. And Jesus says, you feed them. Now, what do you think Jesus is trying to teach them? I believe there is a valuable lesson that the Lord is trying to teach them, and it's this truth. They said, we only have five loaves, two fish. Lord, we don't have the resources. And Jesus, in essence, is saying, you're right. You don't have the resources. Folks, I think this is a valuable lesson to learn. That in of myself, when God asks me to minister, one of the realities is that in of myself, I have very little to give. I in myself don't have the resources. And so when I come to the table, you ever, you ever sat with people when you're at the table and they're just so brilliant and you're sitting to yourself going, what am I doing here? It's kind of like how you feel in ministry. It's like, here's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who says, hey, Lee, I got a task for you. And I come to the table and I say, you know, Lord, here's what I can give you. I got one fish, a half a loaf of bread, and that's it. Some of you, you might think, well, you know what, I've got 10 fish and 10 loaves of bread. But what is that in the midst of 5,000? Or 25,000. And Jesus, I think, is really teaching them this valuable lesson that we don't have the resources. And folks, when you study the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, when God asks someone to do something, they are not able to do it because of their great ability or their great resources. But ultimately, they're able to do it because of their dependence on God. And so I have nothing to give. And so the task is never-ending. 
The resources seem to never be there. The Lord says, hey, Lee, I want you to go and I want you to teach and preach. And I say, God, I can't do that. He says, you're right. The Lord says, hey, I want you to go to your neighbor and I want you to witness to him. You say, Lord, I don't know what to say. And he says, you're right. Now go. The Lord says, hey, I want you to do this. And you say, well, Lord, I don't have the money to do that. He goes, yeah, you're right. You don't. Now go. Because the Lord is trying to teach us something. So the task never ends. The resources are never enough. But here's the third truth. The resources we have in Christ are always sufficient. The resources we have in Christ are always sufficient. Verse 16 again says, But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. They said unto him, We have here but five loaves, Two fishes, and I love verse 18. Probably the most precious words in this passage. Jesus said, bring them here to me. Beautiful words. Here's what Jesus is saying. Bring your resources to me. Bring your limitations. Bring your lack of resources. Bring your nothingness. Take your littleness, and he says, you give it to me, and Jesus takes our littleness and makes it sufficient to feed the multitudes. And it's a great truth that Jesus is teaching, and here's the truth, and I think it goes so great with what Katie's saying. You know, Jesus is not teaching the disciples, hey, just pull up your boots a little more, you know, try a little harder. What Jesus is teaching the disciples is that he alone is sufficient. And in his hands, he makes that which is limited and no resources go a long ways. And actually, this story parallels, and the Jews of that day would have understand what was going on, and John 6 brings this out, this story parallels the story in the day of Moses. When they were also in the wilderness, two to six million Jews, they had no food, and God provided manna. Now here's Jesus. He comes down in the wilderness, and he provides food. And here's the point that John gives us. Why is Jesus doing it? John 6, 51, here's what Jesus says. After this miracle, I am the living bread which cometh down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And so the powerful truth of Jesus feeding the 5,000 pulls to another and greater reality that he gives eternal satisfaction, eternal life to those who come to him and believe in him. So let me close just with two truths, and I'll close. And here's the first. Do you know Jesus, and are you pursuing 
to know him. You see, eternal life and eternal satisfaction is found in Jesus who is the bread of life. He is sufficient. I think that really is the point of the story. Yes, he provides. But the greater point of that is something about the bread which only God can do. Jesus gave his life to give eternal satisfaction. The 5,000 to 25,000 people, they're going to go hungry again. But those who taste of the eternal bread will never hunger. I think it's beautiful because this is what Jesus is teaching the disciples. You know, and I would think to myself, you know, disciples, you just had a whole day of watching Jesus heal people. And yet you're asking him, where's the bread going to come from? But aren't you grateful that's how God works with us? We fail at times. We have a hard time believing, and God just comes and says, hey, let me show you myself again, Lee, so that you can know me. So are you pursuing to know him, this bread of life, the sufficient one? And then secondly, Jesus alone, not only sufficient for eternal life, but sufficient for our ministry and our ministering. He calls us out into a real world with real people who need the real bread of life. And he says, hey, Lee, I want you to go and I want you to feed them. And I say, you know, Lord, I have one fish and I have one loaf of bread. I have no resources. I'm insufficient. He says, that's right. But I'm not. I am all sufficient. And through me, you can feed the multitude. So let me ask you, are you giving yourself, are you giving your little resources to the Lord? What God could do, when I look at this assembly, in the world that we live in, as we go out this week, what God could do with us, our one fish, our one loaf, and he says, hey, give it to me and watch what I can do. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for Christ. We're so grateful, Father, that he is the bread of life, the one who came to give his life on a cruel cross so that I could have eternal satisfaction. And then, Father, you call us to go forth into your ministry who really have nothing to bring to the table and yet you say, give it to you and you use us. Father, we love you. We praise you. And Father, we just thank you for this text. Help us to take it. Help us to plant it deep in our hearts. Let it bear its fruit in our lives even this day and this week. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.